welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Before we get started, like, is everybody good? Everybody okay? All right, I hope so. Because this New Year's Eve was a crazy college football playoff. Uh, I'd been having a conversation with my dad earlier in the week about how the semifinal games for the playoff usually end up being utter garbage and how there had only been like three good ones the entire time the playoffs been going on. But man, did these two Saturday night deliver. And they were outstanding games. And today, you know, we got New Year's Day, opportunity to kick back and watch some NFL. But now we are back at it tomorrow. This is the last day of real college football, like multiple game, multiple games going on college football that we've got here for this Monday, January 2nd. I am recording this here late Sunday night. Just watched the end of the Steelers-Ravens game. I got all my research done for the show. I've got everything prepared to make my lineups, make my picks for Monday. So um, it is kind of sad that college football is coming to an end. If you have been here with us for the college football season, I do implore you to play DFS for other sports, listen to this podcast for other sports. We've got content coming your way that will be predominantly college basketball and NFL for the time being, and then we're expanding out to the NBA, and we're going to see where it goes from there. But uh, I do implore you to play other sports if you've been here for college football. And and it's been a lot of you guys. College football has been my most popular sport so far um, this season, and I realize that not a lot of other people out there are doing college football the way I do it. So, you know, maybe if you like college football, try college basketball. DFS4, it's pretty similar. It's not like super sharp, super researched. It's a lot of amateurs playing. And by doing a little research like I do, you can get a big leg up on the competition. All right, so now the usual stuff before we get into the preview. If you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, dropping some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show. And I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or star sit questions. All right, so we got four bowl games going on, guys, including the Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams in action. So let's start this four-game preview off by talking about the quarterback position. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so to start off talking about the quarterback position, the obvious name at the top is USC quarterback Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, right? And he's the top option on the slate. Like, it would not shock me if he reached like 80% ownership in like every big tournament on DraftKings at FanDuel just because he is like by and large the top option. And honestly, on DraftKings, they made him pretty affordable. I thought he was going to really be in the 9K range, maybe even 10K range. But the fact that he's sitting there in the 8K range, he is definitely playable and he is definitely going to see a lot of ownership. But like, it's for good reason. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. He hasn't been under 29 fantasy points in a week since week six. And USC is the second highest implied total of the slate right behind LSU. So I definitely think that Caleb Williams is the best option. And like, I wouldn't say he's a must play, but like, it's going to take a little bit of guts to fade him in all honesty, because just there's not a whole lot of great quarterbacks on this slate. And I think that there's not a whole lot of great running backs and wide receivers on this slate either. So where's all your money going to go if you don't pay up for Caleb Williams? I just think that, like I said, I'm never going to say he's a must play, but he's dang near close to it. He's going to be in almost all of my lineups tomorrow, if not all of my lineups for tomorrow. Now, Jaden Daniels would be option number two. I think he's going to be like significantly lower owned than Caleb Williams. I think what you're going to see is a lot of people are going to pay up for Caleb Williams and then pay down for a quarterback that's down below Jaden Daniels. But I do think that Jaden Daniels is a solid option. Like I said, LSU has the highest implied team total on the slate. They are projected to blow out Purdue. So, I mean, 
if they win in a blowout, Jaden Daniels has got to score some points, right? Now, the one thing that does concern me is his health. Heading into the SEC championship game, he was questionable. He did have some sort of leg injury. It was, yeah, you know, there was information that was pretty hard to get on it. And so he did not quite have the same rushing upside in the SEC championship game against Georgia. But hey, he's going up against Georgia, so I can forgive a bad performance in that one. I definitely think a month to rest and recover. Um, I think he will be full go for this one. And I do think he is the second option at quarterback on this slate. Like I said, he's going to be pretty low owned because I think a lot of people are going to pay up for Caleb Williams and pay down for a second quarterback at that super flex. Utah's Cameron Rising can be very hit or missed. In his last five games, he has two single-digit performances, and he's without tight end Dalton Kincaid, who has been his most, tr most trusted target all season long. However, I think that this game against Penn State has some sneaky shootout potential. Like, we all remember the Rose Bowl last year between Ohio State and Utah, which was one of the greatest meaningless football games I've ever watched. But it was one of those games that going in, you kind of felt like it could turn into a shootout, and it did. I kind of get the same vibes on this one, but... I don't know if Cam Rising's the direction I want to go with this. I would rather pay down for one of the two guys that I'm about to mention here in just a second. So the first one would be Sean Clifford. So if you wanted to get real bold and fade Kayla Williams, you would need to do it with a game stack. And so why wouldn't you want to stack that Rose Bowl game with Cameron Rising and Sean Clifford? Now, one thing that is very noteworthy about Clifford is Penn State is more of a run-heavy offense than either of the three quarterbacks that I've named so far. Um, they just have a higher run percentage, rush percentage than the other three offenses. And so Clifford's going to be having less volume than the other top quarterbacks on the slate. He also is without his top receiver, Parker Washington, who was declared for the NFL draft. So I think that if you're banking on Clifford, it's just banking on a game stack and hoping that this game goes crazy. I don't think that there's a whole lot else to count on in terms of just looking at his game log, looking at their offensive profile. I think that your only hope would just be to play Clifford, play Clifford, play Rising, and hope the game goes crazy. Or maybe play Clifford, play one of the Utah running backs, play Caleb Williams, and then still hope the Rose Bowl ends up going crazy. But I, to me, he's only intriguing in a game stack, not as a one-off. Now, one quarterback that I do really like I mentioned how Caleb Williams is my number one quarterback. Jaden Daniels is my number two quarterback. Tulane's Michael Pratt is my number three quarterback on this slate. Now, don't forget that this game, like, it's not just going to be some blowout. Like, Tulane has implied 30 points in this slate. And believe it or not, over the course of the whole season, Michael Pratt averages 31.7 fantasy points when his team gets to 30 real points. Two of his last three games have been over 40 fantasy points, so he has flashed a major ceiling. And when Tulane scores, Michael Pratt scores. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, USC is just so much more talented than Tulane, aren't they just going to blow him out? Well, you got to remember, USC has a lot of opt-outs. And it's kind of hard as the high major team in this game to get motivated to go play Tulane when you've been playing, you know, Utah, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. You've been playing those guys all season long, and now you got to go play Tulane. Like, it's hard to get motivated for that game. And when you look at the history of the group of five teams in these bowl games, usually they're pretty successful offensively. Like, even if they don't win the game, they usually score some points, hang it close, and represent themselves very well because they're coming in motivated. They're coming in with a lot to prove, and they're coming in with a lot to play for. And in today's day and age, they also generally have less transfer portals and less opt-outs 
when it gets to the bowl game. So I actually think that Tulane offense is going to be pretty successful, and I think that it can be a pretty successful strategy to game stack with Caleb Williams and Michael Pratt as your two quarterbacks, and I think this game absolutely could end up being the highest scoring of the slate. Vegas has it projected to be the highest scoring game of the slate in terms of the over-unders. So I think that Michael Pratt comes in at my QB3. I think the Tulane offense is going to be very successful against USC in this Monday game. Now, the last bit of quarterbacks, Will Rogers of Mississippi State is going to have plenty of volume. You know, rest in peace to Mike Leach. They're not going to change their offense at all. They're going to come out and run the Mike Leach air raid in this bowl game. And so there's going to be plenty of passes that Will Rogers is going to get to throw. But that Illinois defense is pretty stout. They're one of the best in the nation. So I just think that the upside and the slow pace that Illinois plays at is going to cap the upside of Will Rogers in this game. And then the other two starting quarterbacks, Tommy DeVito of Illinois and Austin Burton of Purdue, they do not interest me. Um, maybe you could game stack Burton with Jaden Daniels in that bowl game and maybe have a little bit of success. I don't know. Um, I would just pass on those two. Like I said, I'm probably going to end up playing Caleb Williams and then either rocking with um, Michael Pratt with a game stack rocking with Jaden Daniels and trying to find some values at the other spots or going with Caleb Williams and um, Sean Clifford and hoping that the Rose Bowl goes crazy. So that's kind of just my thinking at quarterback on this slate. So that does it for the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and move on over to the running backs. So the running back position was headlined by Illinois running back Chase Brown, who has opted out of this bowl game and is headed to the NFL draft. You know, like I've said on numerous bowl podcasts, like I have no ill will towards any kid who opts out of a bowl game to head to the NFL draft. Obviously, millions of dollars are at stake, and, you know, that's their livelihood. So no ill will towards that at all. Um, however, I do have a lot of respect for the guys who do play in that bowl game for their team and for their program. Um, but anyway, if for fantasy purposes, with Chase Brown opting out, Reggie Love the third is going to get the start, and he's going to have the second highest volume on this slate, in my opinion. I think he's going to be the back that ends up getting a lot of carries. Illinois is not going to change their offensive philosophy and let Tommy DeVito throw it 50 times a game. And Mississippi State's been a rushing defense who has been very up and down as the season has progressed. So I think that Reggie Love the third is definitely a very solid value play with getting those Chase Brown carries that he's in line to get. Now, my number one option at running back on this slate is the running back that will get the most volume, and that is Tulane running back Ty J. Spears. Much like Michael Pratt, he's very correlated with when Tulane scores points, Spears scores points. So, you know, it also begs the question that if you're playing Caleb Williams and if you're playing Michael Pratt, if you're playing both of those quarterbacks, can you also play Ty J. Spears? My answer to that is, would be it depends on how funky you want to get for the rest of your spots. If you want to play the USC wide receivers, you're probably going to have to not play um, Ty J Spears if you are game stacking with those two quarterbacks. Now, if you were to go with Caleb Williams and some other quarterback, I think Ty J Spears is a great play. Um, I don't think him and Michael Pratt are necessarily correlated together, so I don't think you have to stack the two of them, but I do think that he is in line for a big day and so if you are not playing Michael Pratt at quarterback, I think playing Ty J. Spears at running back is a great option. Now, one guy that I really like in this slate is Jaquindon Jackson of Utah. So Jaquindon Jackson just put up 25.5 fantasy points against USC. Now, keep in mind also in that game against USC, Michael Bernard had 23.6 fantasy points. 
So what you're looking at is two backs just combined for 48 fantasy points, which may actually make the case for playing Tajay Spears, but that's beside the point. Jaquindon Jackson has 32 and 25 fantasy points in his last two games. The reason you may not have noticed that is because he was actually listed at quarterback on DraftKings for the whole season. He was a backup quarterback, and with Tavion Thomas opting out for the rest of the season, he's now found himself as a running back, and he is a very explosive player, and he has the potential to break off big plays. That's how he's gotten his two high points totals. Now, Penn State's rushing defense is also very suspect. You may remember earlier in the season when Michigan ran on Penn State for 400 rushing yards earlier in the season. Now, the only thing that caps Jaquindon Jackson's ceiling is teammate Micah Bernard, who I mentioned earlier, who had 23.6 fantasy points in the Pac-12 title game. And the two of them are splitting carries close to 50-50, but Micah Bernard has not hit the explosive plays that Jaquindon Jackson has. He hasn't gotten in the end zone as often, and he doesn't break off the big runs as often. So between the two of them, I would much prefer to play Jaquindon Jackson, even though Bernard is priced higher, and I think a lot of people will flock to Bernard. I think that just gives us more leverage to play Jaquindon Jackson. Again, huge explosive play guy against the defense that's giving up a lot of explosive rushing plays. Huge fan of Jaquindon Jackson for tomorrow's slate. Now for the Penn State running backs, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have been splitting carries, and it's been almost even. And it's been, there's almost no rhyme or reason as to which one is successful. So it's almost like just a straight up coin flip. And I honestly don't know which way I would go between the two of them. I will pr- I will probably just avoid the situation, either that or make two lineups, one with Singleton and one with Allen. I would probably say over the course of the whole season, Allen has been more effective, but Singleton's not a bad player either. And like I said, there's no rhyme or reason for which one of the two is more effective. Now, one guy that is very intriguing on this slate is Devin Maccabee of Purdue. Out of his last four games, he has three games in the 20s in terms of fantasy points, but he's now going up against LSU, who is an SEC defense who's going to be one of the most talented defense he's played against. I would personally rather pay up for Tajay Spears than to play Devin Maccabee, but if you think that Purdue keeps this one close, I definitely think that Maccabee is a guy that can have some success against LSU. All right, just a few more situations to talk about. Austin Jones has been in double digits in every game since Travis Dye has gotten injured, and that is when he took over the starting role. So Austin Jones will be like the ultimate contrarian play, where if you don't play Caleb Williams, you got you almost got to play Austin Jones because if Caleb Williams isn't going to be scoring points, it's going to be Austin Jones getting in the end zone. And put it this way, USC is not going to get shut out with Lincoln Riley calling the plays. So if you're not playing Caleb Williams, you got, you almost got to play Austin Jones. And I think you can actually play the two of them together. I think there's enough savings you can make elsewhere that you can play both of them. But I think that Austin Jones's biggest value is in that contrarian play to Caleb Williams. Now, one thing that might concern some people, but it doesn't concern me, Raleek Brown and Darwin Barlow are going to play some snaps in this game. It's not going to be a lot. And they have vulture potential in terms of touchdowns, but they're not regular players. Like they're not like rotating in by series. It's more of, oh, we're on the one yard line. Let's bring in 230 pound Darwin Barlow. So I'm not super concerned about either of them two cutting into Austin Jones's workload. And I really do like Austin Jones as a play on this slate. 
Now, Mississippi State is in a peculiar situation. Is their running back Dylan Johnson transferred out, which will lead to more usage for Jaquavius Marks and third-string running back Simeon Price. So Jaquavius Marks is coming in with a lot of success, but that Illinois run defense is really stout. It's one of the best in the nation, and so I would tend to avoid that situation if at all possible. But Marks does contribute in the passing game. This is an air raid offense. So maybe Marks can get you five catches and get you some points that way. For LSU, they do split carries quite a lot between Josh Williams, John Emery, and Noah Kane. Over the course of the whole season, Josh Williams has been the most consistent, and John Emery has been the blowout king. Like He performs the best in blowout games, so if you do think LSU turns this into a blowout, he is the guy to look out for. And then Noah Kane's kind of the wild card because I actually think he's the most talented out of the three of them. He just kind of has a different burst, but I just... I don't know. I, I would If I'm playing one of them, I'm playing Josh Williams. If you think that it turns into an LSU blowout, play John Emery. And Noah Kane is just the high upside wild card. That's generally how I feel about that situation. So at the running back position, I think it'll strongly depend on who you play at quarterback. Like I said, if you don't play Kayla Williams, you got to get on Austin Jones. If you do play Kayla Williams, Tajay Spears becomes a very intriguing option, as do a whole lot of other running backs here on this slate. And I think that Reggie Love III is the top value play. All right, that does it for the running back position. Let's now switch on over and talk about some wide receivers. So this slate of the wide receiver position doesn't really feature one like super elite big name option. And that's kind of because a lot of these wide receiver rooms have an incredible amount of opt-outs and transfers. So we're going to kind of break it down team by team and go bit by bit and kind of identify where we can find some value. So for USC, Jordan Addison is opting out and Michael Jackson is likely going to miss the game with injury, which leaves three starting receivers, Mario Williams, Taj Washington, and Brandon Rice. Now, if you're playing Caleb Williams, you got to play at least one of these guys, right? And so what you'll probably see is because Williams is fairly expensive, and they kind of did with with Addison opting out very early, the DraftKings did kind of hike up the price of Williams and Washington. In my opinion, I don't think that their game logs and their production all season warrants the price tags that they're at. So you're going to have pretty much, because those two are so expensive, you're going to have pretty much everybody who plays Caleb Williams playing one of the two of them, and maybe even both of them. If you play both of them, you're going to severely handicap yourself for the rest of the lineup. But I think that you're going to find a lot of people play one of them. I would tend to prefer Mario Williams. I think he has more upside, and he kind of is the more talented player of the two of them. But I think you could also go with um, Taj Washington. He's definitely a solid option. And I think that Brandon Rice is a really solid option with value. So if you want to play two of the USC receivers, take your pick between Williams and Washington and then play Brandon Rice as the third. Yes, he is my preferred third option out of that USC passing attack. Uh, I'm not really a believer in a whole lot of the other guys. Rice has seen consistent usage, consistent snaps all year long, and I think that will continue in this one. Now, on the other side of this game for Tulane, Shea Wyatt and Deuce Watts are clearly the top two options. Like, it's a huge drop-off after those two. And I would have those two closer to evenly priced than they are. They've been very prolific in their last two games. Wyatt has four touchdowns in the last two games, and Watts has three. And so I definitely think that both of them are solid plays. Like I said, this is almost like a take-your-pick situation. I think they should be very close to evenly priced. Because you get a little bit of savings, I would be inclined to play Deuce Watts. Um... If they were evenly priced, 
I could go either way. But with Watts being cheaper, I definitely think he's worth the savings. Now, the third receiver in this offense is Lawrence Keyes. He has back-to-back double-digit fantasy point performances, so I think he's definitely worth a look. But I would much rather prefer to play Wyatt and Watts. And if you are game-stacking this game, Wyatt and Watts are the two elite names that you need to know. All right, now for LSU... Boy, this is an interesting one. Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. are the only two starters remaining with Jare Jenkins heading to the draft and then Kayshawn Boutte. We don't know what's going on there, but he ain't playing. And then Jack Beck and Kyron Lacey are also not expected to play either. So Neighbors and Brian Thomas are the only two that are left. Neighbors has been outstanding. He has double-digit fantasy points in four out of his last five. Brian Thomas is more of a bit of an unknown, but... I kind of like the upside of a guy at the price tag that Brian Thomas Jr. is at, stepping into that role and getting the targets that we're going to Jenkins and Boutte. Yes, I'm calling him Boutte. I'm pretty sure that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, now, also, what's notable is tight end Cole Taylor is in the transfer portal, which leads to an opportunity to start a tight end for Mason Taylor, who you may remember had the game-winning two-point conversion against Alabama. So Mason Taylor actually, in my opinion, becomes an intriguing option, especially at a very low price tag, and you know that Brian Kelly is going to use his tight ends. So Mason Taylor is definitely a solid option. Now, on the other side of this game for Purdue, Charlie Jones and Payne Durham have opted out. Those two players... It, together accounted for about half of Purdue's receiving yards this season. So they're really looking at a void of who they're going to throw to in this one. And the three guys that are left standing are TJ Sheffield, Mershawn Rice, and Tyrone Tracy. Tyrone Tracy's kind of more of like a gadget play guy. They'll get him involved in bubble screens. He appears in the backfield. They'll get him the ball in jet sweeps, stuff like that. Um, so that might be, you know, somebody who has a little bit of upside. Um, Sheffield's been the more regular receiver, and Mershon Rice is kind of just stepping into the role. Um, I would say you could avoid this situation with all the unknowns, but like I said, there's a huge void there, and somebody's got to step into that void. And so those three names, Sheffield, Rice, and Tracy, those three guys have a lot of opportunity to make big plays in this one. Now, let's talk about Illinois for a second because they actually weren't really affected by opt-outs. Isaiah Williams has been the number one wide receiver all season long. He has a lot of upside. He's flashed that this season, but he has three straight games in single-digit fantasy points. Pat Bryan is also not a terrible option, but I do believe he's a little bit overpriced. And then Brian Hightower is questionable on DraftKings, but he should be healthy for this game. I can't find anywhere online that says he's not expected to play or that he even is questionable. So I would definitely expect him to play, and I think that I would be more intrigued to play Hightower than Pat Bryant, um, especially given that the Mississippi State pass defense is not that great. So uh, those Illinois receivers could definitely give you a little bit of value. All right, now let's talk about the Rose Bowl teams. So for Penn State, we mentioned it earlier, Parker Washington is headed to the draft, and that will open up a lot of targets for Mitchell Tensley and Keandre Lambert-Smith. Now, those two are probably the two to look out for, like just the most consistent, like the options that you know are going to be there and be in the game. Theo Johnson, though, is coming off of a nice little performance against Michigan State in the last game of the season, so he's another name to look out for. And like I said, if you do end up game stacking this one, you got those three options Tinsley, Lambert Smith, and Theo Johnson. So for Utah, we know that Devon Vele is their number one wide receiver, and he is still playing, but really their 
their alpha, their like guy, their trusted target is tight end Dalton Kincaid, who has opted out, which is going to give that spot to Thomas Yasmin, who does have touchdowns in back-to-back games. So I definitely think Yasmin's going to have the ability to keep that up. We know that Utah is going to use tight ends. They have all season long. In fact, they've played Kincaid and Yasmin on the field together quite a lot. So I think that Yasmin will have a big opportunity. I wish that he went a little more under the radar and his price tag wasn't so high, but I do definitely think that he is an option there, taking the spot from Dalton Kincaid. All right, so that does it for the wide receiver position, and that does it for our analysis on this Monday, January 2nd bowl slate, which is kind of bittersweet because it's really our last big slate of college football for the season. And I will say we will be back to talk about showdown for the national championship once DraftKings and FanDuel come out with their pricing for that. But showdown slates are a little different. They're not really, at least in my opinion, they're not really as fun as building a big lineup for a full slate. Um, so I will be back to talk about showdown, but in the meantime, like I said, if you're a college football enthusiast, I encourage you to find, you know, college basketball, NFL, whatever, any other content that we're doing here on Mike's money, Mike's money picks. I encourage you to find that and listen to that as well. All right, y'all. So that does it for the episode and it's not going to quite put a wrap on the college football season, but it is going to, in a way, put a wrap on the college football season, um, Anyway, I appreciate you guys that have been here since week one, and I appreciate you guys that have been here for bowl season as well because I've seen that we've gotten a decent amount of new listeners since the start of bowl season, which is great. So anyway, best of luck to everybody in all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time. Mm